0: So I was about to super hop into Game of Thrones spoilers, dodged a big bullet right there. Hello and welcome to the EDH RecCast, brought to you by the best deck building site on the web for the commander format, EDH Rec. My name is Joey Schultz, and I'm joined today by my lovely co-hosts. First up, the speedster whose article series takes you from 60 to 100, it's Matt Morgan. So I was at
1: the grocery store the other day and the person bagging my groceries said, do you want milk in the bag? And I said, nah, just leave it in the carton.
0: Uh, I, I don't – sometimes your dad jokes get there, Matt. But um, sometimes they don't and it's always awkward. No that, matter. One,
1: that one you know you can go home and use later because it's like, oh, I got to get – stopped by the Kroger and tell the tell the bad joke.
0: It's one of those jokes that hits you like an hour later and then you find yourself giggling and you're like, no! Anyway, (laughs) next, the man whose articles remind you to look in the margins,
2: Dana Roach. So the thing at the end of Avengers Endgame that I I was not (laughs) ready for Oh, we are
0: off to a fiery start here. And I'm Joey Schultz, author of the Commander Showdown series. All these articles and more can be found at edhrec.com, along with some awesome featured community content, such as other Commander podcasts and gameplay videos. EDHrec itself is a fantastic deck building resource that compiles data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new Commander decks. And here on the podcast, we're going to give all that data a little more context. What's our topic this week, fellas?
1: We're going to fly away like a bird.
2: We don't, know car, where our, we don't know where our soul is. Don't know where our home is. <laughs> do angels make crow sound? I don't think they do. They, it's probably more of like a chorus, right?
0: I, I suppose. I don't know whether they sound like a crow or like a chorus, but this bird, this is Feather, and I love her. And you know that we have to do an episode all about Feather. Trash bird. <laughs> that,
1: that's
2: Feather. <laughs> Trash <laughs> right. verb, indeed
0: uh she's phenomenal and i've been waiting on this character for like 14 or 15 years i'm so excited that she's finally here and each one of us has built a deck that takes feather in a slightly different direction and because of that very cool disparity we figured that we would share those different decks and our different takes on this brand new commander and see what people think of them see who's got the best feather brew you guys ready i'm ready Let's do it. All right, first things first, let's actually read the commander proper. So, Feather the Redeemed, everyone probably has it memorized by now because it's one of the best Boros commanders that we've ever seen. But for posterity's sake, Feather the Redeemed is three mana, red, white, white, for a legendary creature angel with flying. She's a 3 4. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets a creature you control, you exile that card instead of putting it into your graveyard as it resolves. If you do, you return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. This commander is bonkers cool because whenever you cast a spell that targets one of your things you will get that spell back that is such a neat way to interpret boros's version of card advantage i absolutely dig it we're going to start off with matt's brew because he took feather in a pretty classic direction so matt take it away walk us through your version of a feather deck
1: so to build my feather deck that i went through a couple steps uh the first one was i went to scryfall and everybody knows what scryfall is at this point it's an awesome deck. really fantastic tool. search engine it's so great Basically, it's like Google for magic cards. You can set parameters <laughs> and do all sorts of cool stuff. And it doesn't do your email, though. So it's not quite Google, but it's pretty close. So all I did was I put in the parameters for it has to be obviously red or white has to be either an instant or a sorcery. And I say in the within the, the text box, target creature and draw, draw a card. So putting those in, I came up with a list of about 60 plus instants and sorceries that fit that category. And the the reason I did this was I wanted to turn it into a Boros deck that was super powerful. I took advantage of the heroic sub-theme that I love. That was one of my first super casual decks was Red White Heroic with Fabled Hero, or yeah, fabled hero. All those kind of fun Theros cards. But use that just to crank through the deck, drawing a bunch of cards, using Feather's ability, so you basically will always have a full hand. It's going to feel really bad if one of your buddies uses a counterspell on, say, an Accelerate or Defiant <laughs> Strike, because you're just going to draw a bunch of cards, and like eventually they're going to have to stop it somehow. Balduvian Rage is another card that I really liked. That one's a little more worth countering, but then so if they counter your Expedite, I think we know who won that exchange. <laughs>
0: So that's a whole bunch of card names right there, but they're all just tiny cantrips that give a creature some ability. Balduvian Rage gives attacking creatures plus X plus zero and you draw a card. Expedite gives a creature Haste and you draw a card. You know, Defiant Strike you mentioned, that's like plus one plus zero and draw a card. Normally cards that would be absolutely trash in EDH, Yeah. but because you've got a bunch of creatures that have heroic abilities, when you target those creatures, their heroic abilities trigger, you'll get that one mana spell back and you get a whole bunch of benefits, and so that totally works. That's the cool thing that you've used for Feather here, is that you're targeting a bunch of other creatures because she doesn't care that you target her she just cares that you target a creature so heroic heroic is a great direction here
1: yes and so stuff like a crow and crusader as one of my favorite cards it's just a one red mana one one that has heroic whenever you cast a spell that targets a Crow and crusader create a one one soldier uh, creature token sweet so use stuff like that combined with all the stuff like defiant strike to give it plus one plus oh draw a card Uh, all those just one mana spells The goal is to just get through the deck as quick as possible using just one or two creatures. I only have 10 in the deck. And then I find one of those big game-ending haymakers like maybe Austere Command, which I can use then to blow up the board, except for my little baby token creatures. Yeah, and then I have a bunch of just cheap ramp. Everybody talks about Boros not really doing ramp that well, but lately there's a bunch of cards at like two mana that you can use to really get into a good position. So turns four and five you're setting yourself up to close the game out or a card that I think is insanely powerful. If you take this route, uh, d- doing kind of the pseudo spell slinger deck is Alhama. archive. Uh, that is a five mana legendary artifact. If you would gain life, you gain twice that much life instead. That's fine. But it also reads, if you would draw a card, except for the first one, you draw each turn, uh, draw two cards instead. So, You cast your expedite, give a target creature haste, and draw a card. Well, you draw two cards, and then you get that card back with Feather's ability. So that just turns into a very, very powerful engine that, even if you're not in Boros, that's that's something very powerful to be doing.
0: I love what you said about ramp there. I mean, that's something that we've heard a lot, but Dana, you've made a great observation before, like, oh, well, Rakdos doesn't necessarily have ramp either, or Azorius doesn't have ramp either. Like, you've got a lot of the same options that you would use in these particular colors, too. You've got Signets, you've got Lockets, you've got Fire Diamond and Marble Diamond, you've got Wayfarer's Bobble, you've got Sol Ring. You have actually quite a lot of stuff there that can definitely help out. But even more important, for a deck like this, you're extremely low to the ground. You don't need a whole bunch of ramp.
1: Yeah, and exact, exactly exactly. Well, that's the the reason why when you have such a full hand with Feather's ability plus all the cantrips, so I I cast one of my one mana spells, draw a card and I get that back. So that next turn I'm I'm up a card. So with all those combining on each other, my goal is to cast at least five or six spells a turn once the deck gets going. That's the goal and and so you'll notice on the the curve uh if you look on Architect, which is where I put the deck, which another fantastic tool shows you the curve and average mana cost of everything. So the average mana of my spells is 2.24 and that's including a bunch of spells like Elspeth's son's champion and assemble the legion and some other, you know, five and six mana spells that should tell you how low to the ground it is. So once the deck gets going, the goal really is to use some of those early game ramp spells that I have, you know, like you said, a decent amount of, but then I just go through the deck super quick, get to my haymaker's, and then just end the game from there. Uh, One of the favorite cards that actually I I have from my Shuyun days is Leering Emblem. And that card doesn't get a whole lot of play, but I think in a feather deck like this, it's going to be super powerful, which that's just uh, two mana for an equipment, two mana to equip it, or the equip cost is two, I should say. Uh, Whenever you play a spell, equipped creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. So it's kind of a pseudo prowess only bigger You can get very big creatures very quickly with this type of setup.
0: Yeah, there's a whole lot going on here, and there's definitely a diversity of the ways that you're planning on ending the game. You could make one of those spell-slingery type of equipment things onto feather, cast a bunch of very tiny spells that you've been collecting in your hand, and then win through commander damage, especially by using different cards that might give her double strike, for example, like Psychotic Fury, target multicolored creature. Hey, that's Feather! Gains double strike until end of turn, and you draw a card. So you can do that, but you've also got a bazillion heroic token makers and payoffs when you make tokens, Annex and Siamede really jumps out at me for that reason.
1: Yeah, Annex and Siamede are they're so good. I I played them back in the day when it was a very casual deck. Um, Vanguard of Bremis is another cheap way to just generate a lot of creature tokens. Zada, Grinder is a card everybody's been talking about ever since uh, Feather has been spoiled. and, and Zada is 3 and a red for a 3-3 Goblin Ally. Legendary Goblin Ally. Excuse me, Zada. Uh, but also reads, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery that targets only Zada, Grinder, copy that spell for each other creature you control that the spell could target. Each copy becomes or each copy targets a different one of those creatures. So if you have five creatures out on the battlefield, for example, you cast Titan Strength, which is just a one mana spell that gives target creature plus three, plus one, and you scry. So Zada's trigger happens It targets all your creatures, so every creature that you have gets plus three, plus one, and then you scry one for each creature, essentially. That sets up your next draws for a while. You get some dead cards out of the way. If you do it with one of those cantrips, say you play Expedite, giving all your creatures haste, you draw a card for each creature, which is also extremely powerful.
0: feels really cool to be in a world where we can say in a Boros deck that you're going to cast a one mana spell that will draw you like five cards. Exactly. I love it. So that's definitely a really cool take. Are there any other specific, you know, notable cards that you'd like to point out before we move on?
1: Hmm. I mean, some of the fun ones, obviously, I don't have to tell people that, you know, Skullclamp is powerful in a Boros with a bunch of 1-1s.
0: Yeah, the number of tokens that you're making here is pretty impressive, especially with different things like the Crowan Crusader. You know, you've got Elspeth and different things like that in there. So you've got really cool payoffs, like Skulk Lamp to draw cards off of those tokens. Or like we mentioned, Annex and Siamid, you get a heroic trigger on them and they pump up the whole team. This is uh, pretty nasty, pretty it's, classic, and I really
1: like it. It's pretty fun. Another card that I do want to point out is Eerie Interlude. It's, it's two and a white for an instant that says, Exile any number of target creatures you control. Return those cards to the battlefield under their owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. So, since it does target, it's kind of a pseudo Teferi's protection, not quite, but it does get bounced back to your hand due to Feather's ability. So, it's a, kind of a repeatable, almost Teferi's protection. It's a good way to get around board wipes or removal or so, anything like that. Uh, it's an instant, and it's just, it makes it very hard for opponents to play around since you do get it back every turn. It's some good, kind of Boros Charmy tech. Uh, gets everything off the battlefield granted they do go away so it's it's not quite the greatest but it is repeatable which i think is worth slotting into a bunch of decks
0: yeah it's definitely a lot of really cool stuff going on here so you mentioned maybe some notable cards to include what about any notable exclusions was there anything that didn't quite make the cut for you here
1: um but yeah so i had this big list of instants and sorceries that are going to draw you a card i think some of them don't Don't really do enough cards like bandage. Essentially all it is is a cantrip. I would like my spells to be doing a little bit more. Uh, Defiant strike at least gives a creature plus one plus. oh. expedite gives it haste. Accelerate also gives it haste. I would like it to be doing a little bit more. Shelter is probably one of the best cantrips since it gives protection from a color and draws a card. I don't know. I, I would make sure that whatever you're doing with those cantripy spells it's you're getting at least an effect worth that um sometimes you do want to spell sling and that's great for me personally though stuff like bandage i it doesn't do it for me
0: all right well that's interesting that you would mention that particular card because it does show up in my feather list and i think i've got a great use for it so i think it's time that we move on to my version of feather and see if it's better than yours
1: that's fine it's not but that's (laughs) fine
0: (laughs) So we had a really classic version of Feather, where you're making a bunch of tokens and then using effects to pump up all of those tokens. Really cool prowessy stuff going on, and very what I expect will probably be a really classic direction to take Feather. Mine's a little bit different. I went with more of the spell slinger option. Feather is fantastic in her ability to retain cheap spells in your hand, so I also use search engines like Scryfall and such the way that you did, Matt, to go over a bunch of cards that will draw me cards, and that's why I included cards like Bandage. Prevents one damage to a creature or player, you know, that's fine. It draws a card, though. That's the important part. I just want it to help me find some other cards in my deck. The most important spells in my deck, though, are the ones that will definitely keep Feather and my other creatures alive, because Feather I view as a complete and awesome spell slinger engine. The most important part about this particular deck is that I cast a bunch of cheap spells right in a row so that I can use all of those spell triggers for cards like Electrostatic Field, Gutter Snipe, Firebrand Archer, Thermo Alchemist, Aetherflux Reservoir, Sentinel Tower, all these amazing cards that really, really trigger very super well off of casting spells because i plan on casting a bunch of spells every turn and then using damage effects like gutter snipe i will melt the rest of the table's life totals in very short fashion just through the simple expedite of casting one or two mana spells every couple of turns and i think it's genius
2: it's also a, a really unique way to play boros
0: it's it's that's the thing this is a very defensive version so for notable cards in this particular deck I'm definitely interested in all of the cantrips, you know, making sure that I can keep the hand well stocked. So you've got cards like Bandage, but also things like Crimson Wisps. Target creature becomes red and gains haste until end of turn, draw a card. Those are definitely cute. Defiant Strike, those too. But I'm not seeking to be combative in any way here. The stuff that's more important for me are cards like Shelter or Ephemeral Shields or, you know, Faith's Shield, God's Willing. Uh, All of those cards are the things that help keep Feather sustained alive on the board through a couple of different means. You know, something like Cloud Shift or Eerie interlude might blink her in the event that someone's gonna play Cyclonic Rift, but then I've got things that would give her protection from colors, or I've got things that would just straight up give indestructible in the event of a board wipe. Those are really, really key, and I can just, you know, hold a couple of those particular cards in hand and use them just to defend feather and to defend, for example, my gutter snipe, make sure that no one takes that out. And through this simple act of defending my stuff, I'm also progressing the game by damaging everyone which i just think is totally totally beautiful my defensive spells are also like my defense is my best offense it's awesome
2: it's also a very deliberate feeling deck like every move you make is very controlled and planned out and has an eye on the spell you're going to cast three turns from now it definitely has to be, yeah. And I would also say for this particular type of
0: build, like you're rarely ever attacking. There are some cards like, oh, Psychotic Fury, it gives, you know, creature double strike. But the more important thing for me on that would be drawing a card. Like I'm not planning on actually hitting people with feather. Technically, I suppose I could use combat tricks to Voltron her out, but I'm more interested in spells that will help me scry. And I'm even more interested in making sure that I get an assortment of cards in my hand that will protect my board because that's definitely what I need to do. And for anyone who decides to go with this direction on Feather, you never, ever tap out ever. I can't stress that enough. You do not tap out. You don't tap out to equip your Sunforger. You don't tap out to cast your Aetherflux Reservoir. There are like 37 instants in this deck, so I can't imagine wanting to play a card like Vidalcon Orrery. You even don't want to tap out necessarily for Smothering Tithe, even though it's going to get you treasures, because you need to keep your stuff protected. Because as soon as people get rid of your wind conditions, you're kind of up the creek without a paddle. You need to make sure that you have a very direct plan here. Your cards will help you draw, but more importantly your cards will keep you alive you'll dig down until you find something like a gutter snipe or a sentinel tower or an ether Flux reservoir then eventually you'll slowly chain together a bunch of spell casts and win the game that way
1: yeah i don't i know i don't have a ton of creatures you have even less though uh, only six creatures <laughs> i'm kind of it makes it a little hard granted you only really need one to to really get it off and and get running I feel like there's probably a couple other payoff cards. You do have one of my favorites that I'll, I'll bring up later in our challenge of stats.
0: Oh, alrighty, sweet. Another really cool thing to note about, since you mentioned very few creatures in this deck, so I really like cards like uh, Chain Reaction and especially things like the new Solar Blaze and Fell the Mighty. So Chain Reaction, you know, or Blasphemous Act 2, those are red board wipes that do damage, but with a number of indestructible spells that I'm able to have in this deck, I can make sure that my board stays alive and that I get to keep those things. But Solar Blaze and Fell the Mighty, those actually well, Solar Blaze is obviously not going to destroy Feather, but Fell the Mighty is really cool because it says destroy all creatures with power greater than target creature's power. You target Feather, and then everything else goes away that you don't like, and you get Fel the Mighty back in your hand. So having fewer creatures actually works really, really well in favor of this particular slinger strategy, especially because the board wipes can be used almost as little plague wins when you combine them with the indestructible and protection spells that are constantly in your hand.
1: Yeah, fell the Mighty is crazy powerful. That that was a hard card to cut from my list. I think between fell the Mighty and Aetherflux Reservoir, those are the two cards in your list I wish were in mine.
0: Uh, see, my list is better than yours. Matt. I said two ha, ha,
1: cards. Ha. I have four c- more creatures. That's better by four. A factor of four. <laughs>
0: Another really important thing to note about this particular deck, I am running a couple, well, I would say as many very small, very cheap mana rocks as I possibly can. You know, we'd mentioned all of the ramp that was in your deck, Matt, but by comparison, I am running a few more, especially even things like Felwar Stone. I've also got like the Marble Diamond, the Fire Diamond. A weird, interesting one that I am running is the card Mox Amber. This is the zero mana legendary artifact from Dominaria, where you tap and add one mana of any color among legendary creatures and planeswalkers you control this one didn't really make much of a splash in commander because it kind of felt weird if you don't have your commander you need to be able to ramp them out the reason i'm running it in this deck though is because i feel as though if i ever have a moment where feathers not protected or not on board then i'm kind of already losing she should be on board as a constant fixture because of how many different indestructible and protection spells that i'm able to use that mox amber i do think becomes useful here
1: yeah, I think that's fair. And, and with how much you protect, I think there's one piece of protection that I, probably isn't going to get as much play just because it is kind of getting up there in price. But Champion Selim, I think, is a very, very powerful piece of equipment for Feather decks.
2: And a, and, See, and, and you I can know. about that. You can cast around it, which can be a pretty big deal. Like, th- that's the biggest problem with is, you know, usually you would, your go-to would be Lightning Greaves here, but you just can't use Lightning Greaves in Feather deck no, for the most part. Yeah. I actually don't know that I want either
0: of those things. I don't want an equipment on Feather when several of the different ways that I plan on keeping my stuff alive is with blink effects to avoid board wipes, like Cloud Shift or uh, the Long Road or whatever that card is called, um, Otherworldly Journey, things like that. I do have a handful of those spells to make sure that Feather can survive literally any problem that gets thrown at her. See, I'm
1: really hoping that you build this deck in paper, which I'm sure you will. You've been too uh, hype. you've been too I hype have. about this deck and this <laughs> yeah. commander for too long. Um, I'm really hoping that you try to equip anything onto Feather after you've Apostle's Blessing. Cur uh, Apostle's Blessing obviously Ch- uh, pay one in a Phyrexian white target artifact or creature you control gains protection from artifacts or the color of your choice till end of turn. And I hope that you use Apostle's Blessing to give a feather protection from
0: artifacts, then try to equip because I would laugh at you. Uh, that's why there aren't any equipment in my deck. But because I don't want That's why you should, them. so
1: that I can laugh at you. No, <laughs> that's not <laughs> the, the only don't want reason. That.
0: Absolutely not. No, my plan here is simply to stay as defensive as possible and use my spells as my main form of defense. And bonus, one of the really cool things about this particular version of the deck, it's not just that you'll have a bunch of cards that are dealing damage as you protect your creatures, but the fact that you can give your creatures indestructible or protection from colors means that it is excessively difficult to attack into your field because all of your stuff has pseudo-indestructible every turn when you cast your spells to give it indestructible. And that is just one of the things that I absolutely love most. This is a defensive Boros deck that uses defense to boil people's life totals, and it's so legit. I want to move on to a couple of notable exclusions, though. I've talked a lot about cards that I really like for the deck, but there are a few things that I'm not running. Uh, For example, one of the most notable exclusions is probably actually the card Grapeshot. So Grapeshot, we all know, two mana sorcery that you can just storm off, it's literally a storm card, and this seems like a storm deck, right? You deal one damage to a target, and then of course Scrapshot would copy itself for each spell that you've cast that turn. And that sounds great. You point to the original Grape Shot at Feather, so one damage goes to her, you don't really care, it goes back to your hand, and then you'd be able to have a bunch of other storm triggers affecting the rest of the board. The thing is, since I'm not trying to tap out, and a lot of the stuff that I plan on casting is going to be at instant speed on my opponent's turn, the sorcerer speed of Grape Shot kind of left it in the dust for me. I'm also not running a bunch of cards like Double Cleaver Seize the Day because I don't really want to attack with this deck, and that also means that Balduvian Rage, which has definitely become a popular card for Feather, also didn't make the cut because it can only target attack. Attacking creatures. The final one that I am also not running that I do think is great for feather lists, but just not for this one, is the card Chandra's Ignition. We all know that one. A five mana spell that has target creature deal damage equal to its power to a bunch of other stuff. And if you're powering up feather and using her as like a spell combat trick voltron some type of thing like that chandra's ignition is super super good for that strategy for me though my feather's probably not ever going to be more than four power and i just didn't feel like the five mana was necessarily worth the four damage to kind of maybe do a small board clear especially when i have other options like felt mighty at the ready and i can just be a bit more defensive with my stuff that will still keep me protected and boil down life totals using gutter snipe and thermor alchemist and other things like that oh guys i'm so excited i love this deck so much
1: Yeah, those all make sense. I, it's, it's, it's worth noting, too, how we both kind of have the same core. We have a bunch of cantrips and drawing cards, but our payoff cards are so different.
0: And I'm not sure whether Dana is as interested in either of those strategies because he went a completely different direction.
2: That he did. I did a little, I mean, I went tokens, which is what Matt did. So I, I, I wouldn't say, i it's not like I've got some unique thing where I'm like using clues to kill people or something, um, <laughs> <clears throat> although that would be fantastic. Yes, it would. But I put together a token deck with Feather, and this is very much a go-wide deck. I'm not trying to do what Matt does where I'm stacking up individual things on creatures to make them be able to swing in for lethal. I'm going as wide as humanly possible, and I'm doing that by running almost exclusively creatures that have an ETB ability that makes you tokens. And then I'm running a fistful of blink spells kind of like the ones Joey is using defensively, but I have almost every one I could find doing a scryfall search in my colors that lets me exile a creature and return it to play. And then because of other's ability, I can bring that instant back to my hand and recast the next turn and blink things like Cloud Goat Ranger to bring in, you know, three white Kithkin Soldier tokens whenever it comes into play or, or blink Siege Game Commander or Beetleback Chief or, um, you know, even bad things like Thopter Engineer or Belfry Spirit. Like, I basically found anything I could cast efficiently that made me tokens when it came into play. I love
0: this. I was just not expecting this at all. Like, the blink in non
2: rune colors is such a cool thing. I mean, I was just looking to do something different. I was trying to, like, think, you know, what would not be an expected version of this Feather deck because I think the strength of Feather is... You can build the deck multiple different ways if you want to dig deep enough. I think that's not something true of most commanders in general, and it's absolutely almost never true of Boros commanders. And I think we, we have this really super cool commander here that is obviously powerful, but I think people got a little bit too fixated on the one most obvious way to build her. And I get that given how strong she is, but she's also super versatile, which is a really, really cool thing that we have not seen much of. And I wanted to kind of play with that a little bit.
0: So... I'm definitely looking over the list. I think there's some really great cards, especially there's a lot of really efficient uh, token producers. You know, Belfry Spirit, Cloud Good Ranger, you mentioned Geist Honored Monk. Knight Captain of Eos is super, super good card, by the way. I'm going to read that one real quick. Five mana, 2-2 two, two in white, Human Knight. When it enters the battlefield, you make two one one white soldier creature tokens, and you can pay a white and sacrifice a soldier to Fog for the turn. Like, I think that's just a card that more white decks should be playing in general, but it's super cool here because then you have off offensive capabilities with those tokens, like this is really great. What are some notable cards that you would want to point out?
2: So I'm running things like Catherine's Crusade and Divine Visitation. Catherine's Crusade, for one, if I have that in play and I have something that makes tokens and feather out so I can start blinking things, the amount of counters I'm going to put on things that are in play gets pretty disgusting. And if you let me get around the board and successfully do that, by the time it comes back to my turn, I'm going to have, you know, a, a dozen tokens sitting there all with power ranging from, you know, six to 12 or something. That's amazing. And, or if it's... That's but, wonderful. Or if it's divine <laughs> I'm just making four, four angels instead. Either way, I'm probably going to kill somebody, if not multiple people, if I can <laughs> successfully do that. And kind of like you mentioned, Joey, with these blink spells, if I don't... If if you try to remove Feather in the process, I could just use them to say Feather and then start over again next turn.
0: And that's what's so cool. Like Usually we'd expect in a Boros deck like this that you're playing a bunch of things that make a bunch of tokens, and that's great. But if you get board wiped, you've run out of steam. With Feather, you really only need one spell that's going to do any particular effect. You only need one thing that gives it indestructible, or you only need one thing that blinks a creature, because you can cast that thing once every turn for the rest of the round right it's like you only need to get one club shift that is your version of card advantage you're not running out of steam because that one card is
2: your steam that's so cool i also think i like flame shadow conjuring in this deck and there's kind of a similar um, artifact minion reflector and basically whenever a non-token creature comes into play under your control you can spend mana in the case of Flame Shadow Conjuring, I can spend a red, or at Minion Reflections case, I can spend two colorless, but that also gives me a secondary way to generate tokens off a of blink. I cast a Cloud Shift on, say, Cloud Goat Ranger and blink it and make three more tokens, and if I happen to have an extra red mana free, because it's the end of the person's turn before me, I can then copy it again with Flame Shadow Conjuring or copy it again with Minion Reflector and make another copy of that guy that's going to bring in more tokens. Bro, that's really good. So the goal is to go as wide as humanly possible and hopefully win by overwhelming people with, you know, Crusader Visitation or Eldrazi Monument or I have a few buffs like Intangible Virtue. Um, So that is the goal is to go as wide as possible while kind of keeping Feather safe, playing these janky creatures that people are going to kind of be shocked to see actually do effective things in the stack. We've got
0: Blinky Tokens, we've got Spellslinger, and we've got really classic Feather, too. I think we might have to take these when we meet up in Kansas City and actually play against each other. Sort of similar to what you did on CMDR Central with your different Super Friends builds and brews and battles. I'm down for that. I'll do that for sure. So, really quick, wrapping up on your particular version of the
2: deck, what about any notable exclusions? I couldn't run um Zod, Hedron Grinder, or the Mirror Wing Dragon, because if I go to blink something and I have those out it's going to copy the blink spell everywhere and blink my tokens.
1: Yeah, that that Mm. seems kind of
2: undesirable. So as useful as those are in this particular deck, there are just too many situations where it would actually keep me, I think, from casting spells I want to cast. So I am not running those. That would be definitely the two big glaring emissions. And I'm not really running any of those cantrip spells that draw me the card as well. Um, just because again, without having the option to spread that around, there's going to be too many times where I'm looking at, at, at holding one of those in, in my hand and blinking that versus blinking, you know, long road hope or something. And it's probably not worth drawing a single card when I can make three tokens. Most of the time, I think the real power in those is being able to spread those around through your entire team. And I can't do that in this deck. So I'm not running any of those cantrips effects. I'm kind of relying on the old school red magmatic insight, faithless looting type spells.
0: And that's actually something else that I wanted to point out really quick about your list here too. You have some really classic uh, workaround options that are available in the Boros colors that I think are really funny ways to cheat the usual weaknesses of card advantage. Namely, for example, you've got the Scroll Rack and Land Tax combo. So Lantax searches up a bunch of lands for you because you're likely going to have the fewest lands. And then you can use Scroll Rack to put those lands on top of your deck, draw a bunch of different cards, and then on the next turn, Lantax will find you more lands and shuffle those other things away. Like, you've got a bunch of little things like that in here that I think are really cheeky and a really fun nod to the, you know, original way ways, the cheat effects that Boros would use to work itself around its own weakness.
2: Yeah, I would definitely say of of these three decks, I probably have the most hooks back into the standard Boros build, particularly in terms of what I'm using for card advantage compared to you guys, because I can't abuse that feather ability like you guys can.
0: But, I mean, there's still really great ways to abuse the other things you're doing. For sure. Even if, you know, if your version of card advantage is that you, you know, blink your, I don't know, some... Uh, Siege Game Commander, for example, and then you get a bunch of triggers off of Panharmonicon and Divine Visitation and Cathar's Crusade. I'm fine with that being your version of card advantage because it sounds ludicrously powerful.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, a card advantage is just a form of, a, of resource advantage, and it's not the only way you can win a game. It's definitely one that it's fun to have that as an option, but you just want to get some sort of advantage, and I'm choosing to get my advantage in the form of bodies in the field.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love it. I do think that I have both of you guys beat, though. I'm just going to say, I think that spell slinger is the way to go.
2: I am slinging I, spells. I don't know what you're talking about. I guess <laughs> we'll find out in Kansas City.
0: I guess yeah, we will. I guess we will. <laughs> these both look so fun. And here's here's the thing. Like, these have been really short and sweet deck techs, about three po- possibly different directions to take Feather. But we haven't even addressed, there's a completely different way that you could take her too, such as just classic spell slinger Voltron instead, where you're using a bunch of pump spells like Titan Strength and other very small combat tricks here and there and using just those to protect your single creature in Feather and then, you know, destroying the rest of the field with double strike and seize the day and extra combat to small effects here and there. Like, that's another direction you could take this commander too. It's not just that she's a new Boros commander that is efficiently costed and has a new version of card advantage. It's that she's diverse. That's what's so impressive about this commander.
2: It's bonkers. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't think she would be a bad angel tribal commander if you're just, if, if nothing else, because she gives you the option to use those cantrips as ways to draw cards, which is something that you will always struggle with if you're playing Aurelia or Gisela or something. So, like, even if you just want to be as basic as that, I think she's a totally viable option there.
0: Yeah, super love it. But we can't just talk about the things that we super love. Sometimes we have to challenge some statistics as well. So we're going to wrap up this small deck tech show with challenging some stats. Dana, do you want to start us
2: off talking about some cards that are maybe seeing too much love or not enough? I'm going to use a card that I think sees too little love in general. It's one that I'm running in my deck. It's an old enchantment called Parallax Wave. I was just looking at that too. <laughs> it, Parallax Wave is two and two white, so four mana total. It has Fading Five, and it says remove a fade counter from Parallax Wave and remove target creature from the game. When Parallax Wave leaves play, each player returns to play. All cards he or she owns removed from the game with Parallax Wave. And Fading, you also remove a fade counter at the beginning of each upkeep. So at the very least, if you're not trying to do anything kind of abusive with this, it will let you basically play it as a, you know, Oblivion Ring to exile a creature that's causing you problems for four or five turns before you run out of Fade Counters and it comes back into play. And that's probably the worst case scenario, which isn't that great. But there's enough times I've played this in a deck where I've dropped it down just to clear out three or four blockers because I don't care if they come back next turn. I'm killing you this turn. So it's a way to temporarily knock one person's defenses down to get that alpha strike in. Or in the case of my particular deck, I'm going to use it to blink stuff. It's like one more way I can blink creatures repeatedly if I need to blink them, while I also have the option to use it for removing things that are problematic or taking blockers out of the way if I want to get through for an alpha strike. It does three or four different things, all of which are almost always useful. And it's in less than 1,500 decks in ADH rec. I just think it, it's too versatile to be played that infrequently.
0: That's legit. I didn't even think about the way that you could use that card diversely. That's amazing. It's not just like when I saw it in your list, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a great way to blink your stuff. Removing their blockers? Ah!
2: Yeah. I mean, I the reason I, I played is it kind of feels ugh. like like one of those um, sudden spoiling kind of cards where you can use it as a fog. You can use it to you know, get rid of indestructible. You can use it to remove blockers, that kind of thing. And that's kind of what it's it's the white's version of that to me
0: i yeah really cool application here okay matt let's move on to your challenge so
1: my challenge stats is going to be on a card that i think should probably be in every single feather deck uh and that is going to be monastery mentor um uh, monastery month mentor uh two and a white for a two two human monk with prowess Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put a 1-1 white monk creature token with prowess onto the battlefield. So any feather deck is going to be casting a lot of tokens. Or not a lot of tokens, a lot of instant sorceries. So a lot of instant sorceries means you get a lot of prowess triggers and you get a lot of monks with prowess on the battlefield. I just think there's no reason. Granted, Monastery Mentor, I I didn't realize this until I was putting the deck together. It's over $20 now, so it's not a cheap card anymore. Um, but it is insanely powerful. I think if you have any laying around, this is a perfect home for that mentor because Feather's just going to, I mean, her ability directly correlates with Monastery Mentors. They go hand in hand. They're wonderful. Whether you're playing creatures and heroic and spell slinging that way or you're spell slinging wrong like Joey, uh, it doesn't matter because Monastery Mentor <laughs> is so, so
0: great. So here's the thing. I did include Monastery Mentor. It's one of my backup plans. I totally agree. Making a bunch of tokens and then especially that those tokens can get bigger when you cast more spells. That's why I did include it as another potential win condition. I think that my deck might be the most budget of the three, and I do feel as though for mine, if you can't afford the Monastery Mentor you're okay. If you can't afford the Balefire Liege, then you're okay. If you don't have the money for the Smothering Tithe, yeah, they jumped in price. The Mox Amber is cute. It's not necessary. Those are probably the four most expensive cards in the deck. That's the other thing that's really cool about Feather, is that a lot of the deck is going to be really cheap cantrips. Like, some of your most expensive cards will be your Signets or <laughs> things like yeah, that. the, the deck is so wonderful. Yeah, the deck but is a bunch splurge, of cungs. Right, but if you can splurge on something like a Monastery Mentor, heck yeah, that's a really great card here.
2: Yeah, I, it, it I, does I, become it becomes so much easier to sporge on those things too when you have a deck that's just got so much little stuff in it. So yeah, that's a great <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah, definitely love
0: it. That is a darn dangerous card in this deck because you're just gonna cast a couple spells, oh, just make a couple one ones. Oh wait, now they're eight eights. That's a problem. That is a big problem. And yeah, there's I ten of them. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on to my challenge, and that is probably controversial, but I'm challenging the card Aurelia's Fury. I don't think it's very good in feather, guys. So the interaction here is a little complicated, but we'll get to it. Aurelia's Fury X red and white. It's an instant that says it deals X damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures and or players. You tap each creature dealt damage this way and then players and then players dealt damage this way can't cast non-creature spells this turn. The object of this card is definitely clever, and I like that it exists as an option. What people will do with this particular spell is... Put a bunch of mana into x but one point of it goes to feather therefore it has targeted a creature you control you'll get the rest of the effects tapping down creatures and then you'll prevent other people from casting non-creature spells and aurelius fury will go back to your hand that sounds cool but that is so much mana and i don't think that it's sustainable particularly because it is not stopping your opponents from playing creature spells I know that you can tap down creature spells later, but there are some powerful creatures with powerful enter the battlefield abilities, especially, you know, like people's commanders. I don't know that this one is necessarily sustainable compared to a lot of the other stuff that I see feather tends to be doing, which is staying especially on the cheaper side of things. I think that feather strength lies in how small and low and quick her mana curve is. So I don't know that Aurelia's Fury actually adds up and fits into that equation because it would just be really big and clunky and isn't going to solve your problems against a really big board either.
2: Yeah, it's very much a magical Christmas land feeling card to me. I think I'm on board with this, Joey. I agree.
1: See, I like it more as... You want to use it, say during somebody's untapped or upkeep or not? Up, yeah, upkeep. Tap down a lot of their stuff, get it back, and then on your turn, then you ping. I mean, obviously you're you're pinging uh, Feather for one just to get the get the card back, but you want to do it on somebody else's turn, and then again on your turn as a way just to get the rest of the battlefield tapped down, and then in a more creature-heavy deck like mine, uh, then you go wide and you get through their defenses. I don't think it's something that you want to be doing every turn, but it's one of those cards that uh, you, you save for the right time, either defensively or use it as that one last push to get your board through. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's great. I'm not saying it's it's going to be a, a world beater, but I think there are going to be scenarios where it's fine. It's probably This is probably its best home as far as Boros Commanders go, um, but then that's not really saying much. But I do think that it's it's fine... Uh, to be played here.
0: I, that's just it, though. I don't know. Like, 68% of people so far that have registered Feather decks that we're scraping for EDHx data, 68% of people are running this card, and I just worry that it might be an eyes-bigger-than-our-stomachs kind of situation. It does feel a bit like this is a bit of a dream scenario where it's going to work the way that you want it to when i do think that with the rest of the spells that feather has been accumulating in your hand you're capable of doing something that is probably more powerful by using all of those cantrips and combat spells or spell slinger payoffs and things like that i think that you're actually capable of doing something that's even better than whatever aurelia's fury is going to do no matter how powerful that lock might be i think that it's kind of a distraction compared to what we can already do
1: i think that's that's fair um it, like you said, in my deck, there's a lot of mana. So if say I have 10 or so mana laying around, I think there aren't there are definitely better ways to be using 10 mana or 20 if you do it on my turn again. But you you are correct. I, I'm pretty torn on it, too. I am very interested to see how it plays out, though.
0: Yeah, I, here, here, here's the really cool thing. Even if I'm challenging this particular this or, you know, we're challenging certain cards here and there, like the point is that like these interactions are possible with this commander and that's what's so enticing. That's what's so cool. So, you know, maybe I'm wrong about this. It could be a controversial pick. I do think it's a little bit too expensive, but that we have clever interactions like this is really what's important. And it's nice to see that people are cultivating clever interactions just like that because, I I just – there's nothing about Feather that I can criticize, guys. Uh, Everything about this commander is perfection to me. So I'm really biased is probably what's happening.
2: No, I I like – I think this is just the best thing that's happened to Boros in I don't even know how long. Maybe ever. (laughs) Since since they printed a Boros signet. This is the best thing that's happened to Boros since Boros signet.
0: I mean, War of the Spark is one of the best things that's happened to Magic since a while. Absolutely. Like, this set is phenomenal, and I love that Boros is the one that got the really amazing commander, and that, you know, Simic and Golgari kind of lackluster, lackluster commanders, and they're, you know, taking a backseat. Like, I just think that's a really fun dynamic. I appreciate the cleverness that is happening within this set, in addition to its amazing power level, and I am so excited to actually start playing with all of these amazing cards and to beat you guys with my version of Feather Deck because it is clearly superior. See, John- I just think that you need to walk down the street to the
1: Wizards of the Coast office and deliver Gavin some cookies, or maybe some nice treats for designing Feather the way she, <laughs> the way that they did.
0: Oh, I very much do. I will definitely do that. All right, folks. Anything else that we want to touch on about this commander or a deck or anything like that before we wrap up this quick deck tech of a show? She's good. She's uh, did, really
1: did, did, good. Did, did we, really did we good. point that
2: out? Did we point out that she's pretty good? I would say this. We we talked a little bit about how versatile she is. I would love to see anybody who has some weird unique takes to reach out on social media and send us links to your list if you found another cool way to build her because I think there's a lot to this commander um, that hasn't been explored yet. I'd like to see some of those decks.
0: Yeah, definitely. I will never get tired of looking at deck lists that have Feather at the helm. Just That that is a a going thing. I will always love looking at those. It's an exceptionally diverse commander. And listeners, you'll have to let us know not only what you would do with this commander, but which one of us brewed the better Feather deck. And with that, I think we're going to call this episode to a close. I'd like to thank my co-hosts so much for joining me. And if any of our listeners would like to get in touch with us, where can they find you all?
1: Matt? You can find me on the Twitters at Mathemus55, M-A-T-H-I-M-U-S 55.
2: And Dana? You can find me on Twitter at Dana Roach. And you can hear me twice a week on my other show, CMDR Central, that just hit episode 100.
0: Yeah, congrats, guy. I <laughs> it did. Thank you. Congrats very, very much. It is and the other I'm show. Joey.
2: It is the other yeah, show. Yes, yes. We've, yeah, you made that clear, Matt. You made yeah, it clear. Your other show. You started it.
1: <laughs> Love you, Max and Chris.
2: Yeah, it is a really good
0: show. You also just changed up your music for episode 100. Definitely really cool stuff. Definitely give it a look, but you know. We talk about feather on this podcast, so you'll probably want to stick around for us. <laughs> anyway, I'm Joey Schultz. You can find me at Joseph M. Schultz on Twitter. Special thanks to our editor for the show, Ken Peddle, also known as Kenish Norn. You can follow him on Twitter at Loader. That's L-O-A-D-3-R. You can follow EDHREC and the cast on Facebook and Twitter, and you can contact us at EDHRECcast at gmail.com. Plus, you can find us on iTunes. And if you do, please consider leaving us a review to help other folks find the podcast, too. This cast is posted every week on EDHREC's community content spotlight section, where we feature as many other content creators as we can, from commands to Commander's Brew to Commander Versus not to mention new articles published every day by our own fantastic team of writers we'll be back at you next week with more Dana and Insights but until then remember EDH wreck your deck before you wreck your deck
2: go Fedder kind of a decent human being whereas every single it's, person in Whiplash is awful I mean
0: that, that is fairly important
2: that's the one thing I remember reading like a bunch of reviews of whiplash afterwards people talking about like that's not how you know you find talent by working at it and, and I'm like that's not what the movie's about it's about two awful poisonous people in this self-destructive horrifying relationship who don't realize it yeah I know right like, like there's no hero in that movie they're both awful human beings it's two two anti-heroes make for one
0: hero I don't think that's how math works.
2: <laughs> and I love that movie, but like, I feel like a lot of people really did not get what was going on.